This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 534 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. Two views of Harley. Bruce is jealous. Shock. Lois survives the explosion. Choose your own terrifics. Young Justice v. Young Justice. Will you be by Trekentine? And it's Zero Hour all over again. This is how I got my wife three comics for Monday, February 17th, 2020. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts and blogs, or you can subscribe via your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. This is coming out a little late as I'm under the weather, but I did want to get you a new episode. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, number six of six by Hauser, Mello, Morales, and Hi-Fi, and Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number one from DC Black Label by Connor, Palmiotti, and Mounts. Two views of DC's hottest character as her new film hits the theaters, but it didn't do very well. The Harley Ivy miniseries involved the duo on the run, a la Thelma and Louise, from bad guys, specifically Jason Woodrow, which has now become an evil avatar for the green yada yada yada. Unfortunately, as many miniseries do, the ending came out of nowhere. We learn at the end that the Ivy who had been with Harley all this time was a sapling of the actual Ivy, who is, to say the least, very upset with Harley. There's a fight between Ivy and sapling, and in the event the latter sacrifices herself in hopes that Ivy herself can be turned away from hate. There was zero indication or hints that this was the final direction. I suspect this might have started out as a longer story but had to be cut down and wasn't done very artfully. Meanwhile, the Black Label title is much more in the continuity I enjoy, which makes sense because it comes to us from the longtime team that brought us the main DC title. We begin in a dream sequence with Harley and Ivy being served cocktails by Superman and Red Tool, a Deadpool parody, before she wakes up to find herself sleeping in the same bed with her posse of Harleys. They're staying in her apartment after the Coney Island hotel she owns was burned down due to lack of payments to the mob. Harley and Ivy are now in the skids after Quinn left them stranded on a desert island just so they could have some time together. There are a few cameos, Power Girl, Cy Borgman, before we get into the main story. Harley has plans to pay off the mob and rebuild the hotel, but she has to go to Gotham to do it. But first, she has to get revenge on the local mobsters that burned down the place and hurt her boo, Tony, and does so in typical fashion. In fact, other than a large number of F-bombs, the content was no worse than the regular DC title. So why the black label treatment? Is DC getting more conservative? Was it just to get the title noticed on the shelf? Or is it just a quasi-tie-in to the film? The latter seems to be the case as she begins running into characters that happen to be in the film. Huntress, Cassandra Cain, Renee Montoya, and I assume Black Canary will arrive next considering she is on the cover. I will always buy what Connor and Palmiotti are selling. 
Superman, Heroes Number 1 by Bendis, Fraction, Rucka, McGuire, Lieber, Perkins, Norton, and Godlewski. A one-shot coming out of Clark's decision to go public with his identity. We get two prologues, one with Clark as a kid getting sage advice from Jonathan. What's the best thing you can do right now? And just do that. And then tomorrow, look around and see what's needed then. And a second, the day before the announcement with Lois and Cal talking it over. We then go to the Hall of Justice to get a longer view of what happened there post-announcement. Yes, Harley's still there, although no longer front and center in the two-page spread. This is followed by small character boxes with each hero giving their opinion. Some positive, some are uncertain, while others are pessimistic about it. This is all helped by Kevin McGuire's inks, he of the Bwahaha era league. Also, the cast of JL Odyssey is there, which should be impossible since they are currently outside of the known universe. But... Booster is thrilled he no longer needs to keep the secret. It's common knowledge in the future, of course. Bruce broods, as usual, while Diana questions him back at the Wayne Manor and the cave. Turns out he's just jealous. Clark gets the family and fame with none of the dark side he has to endure. In a sweet story, we cut to Cal visiting an old high school teacher who challenged and encouraged him. Back to Lois, who has arranged a massive operation to handle all the mail asking for help. Wouldn't they have just all come to Metropolis General Delivery before? I don't understand how this is much different. Over to Jimmy and Superman, who asks if they are good. Jimmy says they're fine and that he already knew. Only Clark and Superman ever called him Jim. In an epilogue, Lois shows Cal what Luther gave her, evidence that Marisol Leone, new owner of the Daily Planet, is in the mob. But what do they do about it? They have a responsibility to report it, but they will be playing into Lex's hands since it will eliminate his competitor. To be continued in Superman Villains, which just announced a publishing delay. Speaking of Mrs. Kent, Lois Lane number 8 of 12 by Rucka Perkins and Altiab. Surprise! Lois survives the explosion in her hotel room. The skull-faced assassin and the question do get out, only to have Lois shoot her in the shoulder before she escapes. Chicago cops swarm the place, partly to meet the big blue Boy Scout. He arrives to make sure she's okay, then introduces himself to the detectives assigned to the case. Lois and Renee go off to find the actual housekeeper who took the day off, but it turns out she was carted off as part of an ice raid, inferred but not stated. Meanwhile, the mysterious woman in the U.K., a.k.a. Jessica Knight, is on a plane to Chicago. The Terrifics, number 25 by Yang, Mora, and Placencia. We get a gimmick issue for their anniversary involving a choose-your-own-adventure story. The situation is dire, so Mr. Terrific initiates the T-Infinity Sphere, which generates possibilities and runs down success or failure. For the reader, we are given the choice of who to follow as the team's leader with instructions to turn to a certain page. Spoiler, three of the four do not go well, but involve cameos from Harley and Ivy and the Justice League of China. One does result in victory as the T-Infinity Sphere allows both sides to win in different potentialities. The issue is, no one should remember anything but their continuity, but Terrific remembers them all. Hmm. Be prepared to do a lot of page flipping to get through it all. To be perfectly frank, I'm not really enthused about this title anymore. Huh? Yeah. Young Justice number 13 from Wonder Comics by Bendis, Walker, Timms, Oming, Grell, and Eltiab. Connor is still stuck on Skataris, 
and Warlord tries to talk him through his sadness. This is done in a series of flashbacks, all illustrated by the man who created Warlord, Mike Grell, in gorgeous scenes. His work is rather reminiscent of Frazetta. Meanwhile, the rest of the team back on Earth are working on a plan to save Connor while stopping Star Labs. The H-Doll decided to go nuts at that point, interacting with the artifacts in Jenny Hex's truck. Drake sends Impulse off to get help as they fly off to attack. Who does Impulse get? Why, it's Young Justice 1.0. Orphan, Aqualad, Arrowette, and Sideways. How did he get in here? It seems like Bendis is going to pull in every young hero in the DCU eventually. Star Trek Year 5 Valentine's Day special from IDW by Cornell, Jones, and Kirchhoff. IDW's been working their way through the final year of Kirk's original mission, something that has never been really well documented. In the middle of all this, they decide to throw in a love story between Kirk and another captain, Laura Roan. I guess Starfleet updated their rules against female captains. We meet them during shore leave, and they run into each other in various missions. After various encounters, she proposes marriage. The five-year mission's almost over, so it's actually feasible Maybe they could work together in a fleet? He confers with Spock and Bones, who shockingly agree he should do it. Spock talks about all the sacrifices he has made and that the Enterprise, as the saying goes, owes you one. Unfortunately, he runs into Carol Marcus, his old flame and the father of his eventual child, who puts doubts in his mind about whether he would truly be happy. Then Kirk gets word of the offer of Admiralty? He returns to speak to Roan and explains what has happened. Roan stops him, says he just wanted her help to face a decision he's already made, and tearfully withdraws the offer. Cut to one year later, Roan's ship, now in TMP-era regalia, is forced to sacrifice to stop a black hole near Earth. Cut to 15 years later, circa Star Trek VI, and her ship returns from a long voyage. She's been offered the Admiralty. Of course, Kirk by now was demoted to captain, and they get back together again. Is this the woman he referenced in Star Trek Generations? Now, before we go, uh, I wanted to talk about some scuttlebutt coming from DC's announced free comic book day book. Generation Zero, Gods Among Us, will feature Wally West, now seated in the Mobius chair. Thanks for the spoiler on Flash Forward's final issue. With the added power of Dr. Manhattan... Now, this is not guesswork. This is actually listed in the solicitation. In order to save his children and the multiverse itself, Wally West makes the ultimate sacrifice, taking his place in the Mobius chair. Unbeknownst to him, the chair is packing a little extra power, having been imbued with the godlike powers of Dr. Manhattan. Now armed with infinite knowledge and the powers of a god, Wally West can see the past, present, and future of the DC Universe all at once, including what needs to be changed. The cover shows Wally, now in a blue motif a la Metron, with Dr. Manhattan's symbol on his cowl, viewing various DC continuities. Now for the supposition. Is this zero-hour redux with Wally West taking the Hal Jordan parallax part? Will Wally be the one to bring all continuities into one, kicking off G5, as inferred by the Generation Zero title? Well, DC also announced a series of one-shots to come out through 2020. Generation 1, Age of Mysteries, apparently starting with Wonder Woman's first appearance. Generation 2, Age of the Metahuman, reportedly starting with Superman's first appearance. Generation 3, Age of Crisis, from Crisis on Infinite Earths to Flashpoint. 
Generation 4, Age of Rebirth, which is the current day, and Generation 5, Age of Tomorrow, which is DC's future. It looks like these books will become the new history of the DC universe. This all lines up with the timeline spreadsheet DiDio has been teasing since last year. Okay, before we get out of here, it's time to play America's fastest-growing new game show. Guess who's on the cover of Entertainment Weekly? And guess what, Mark? I actually have an Entertainment Weekly. Oh, my gosh. All right, so are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. TV-related? No. Movie-related? Yes. Uh, One person on the cover? Yes. A man? No. A woman? Yes. Um, Is this person in an upcoming movie? Yes. Is it a genre-related movie? Yes. Is it science fiction? Uh, no. Fantasy? Well, no. A superhero? Yes. It's a superhero movie. A woman coming up in a in a superhero movie. Um, is it from Marvel? No. It's from DC? Yes. So it must be Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot. That is correct. <laughs> At least there was more than one that it could have been. Yeah. You know, like if it had, you know, if you hadn't asked about Marvel, you know, it could have been like... Captain Marvel. Or... Um, or Black Widow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So... So there's three movies that headline women superheroes. That's true. So. Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at SFPPN. Check out Tumblr.com slash blog slash SFPPN. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.